Ephesians chapter 2. Tonight in our small groups, we'll be going over the lessons from the last half of Ephesians chapter 2 and the first half of Ephesians chapter 3, two different weeks worth. So we look forward to that time together. I'll begin reading in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 2. As we read through this, I want you to um, just kind of have your ears open, eyes open for the word peace throughout this. Verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and those who were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built, being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So Paul is, is again bringing some instruction to the church at Ephesus and, and he's really dealing with this aspect of peace. And, and the word that he uses here is to join together that which is separated. To join together that which has been separated. In, in 1961, there was a wall that was built in Germany called the Berlin Wall. And that wall separated land that was owned by communists and the free world. You can, you can only, we can only imagine what it was like when that wall was built, the separation that, that it brought. I mean, it separated families. It separated relatives and business associates and everything. Can, can you just imagine if a wall was built between Wayne County and Lucas County? Think that you never could go across. I mean, that's just a simple, a simple illustration. Well, that wall divided and separated people for years. In 1987, President Ronald Reagan visited Berlin, and they were at Reichstadt, and when they got there, he looked out over the wall, 
and and was was quite moved by it and he gave a speech on June 12th in 1987 and when he gave the speech there wasn't much fanfare about what he said but as time went on it became quite a famous speech in the speech he had planned to to make a statement and his speech writers and advisors were divided about it and um, some of them said no uh, we're building good relations with with Mr. Gorbachev and with the Soviet Union and if you say this it will endanger those and um, he felt burdened he felt like he ought to say it and um, and his speech writers were divided over it. And he came and he gave the speech. And in it, I'll just read a, a paragraph of it. He said, We welcome change and openness, for we believe that freedom and security go together, that the advance of human liberty can only be sustained can only strengthen the cause of world peace. There is one sign the Soviets can make that would be unmistakable, that would advance dramatically the cause of freedom and peace. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. He boldly made a statement. That was back when the U.S. was respected around the world. And two years later, less than two years later, that wall was torn down. Those that had been separated were brought together. And there was great rejoicing in that. Paul is dealing with the same thing here. He, he is talking about two groups of people that Christ is making one. They were separated by a wall and and some may be thinking, literally referring to the wall that these people knew about, that the Jewish temple had a wall on the outside that that no Gentile could go in. In fact, there were signs on it that said, if if you enter here, you are responsible for your own death. And and now Paul is writing to a church and he's saying to them. In Christ, you two who have been separated are, are now made one. Christ has removed uh, these differences. And, and He is the one that reconciles. See, in the world, Christ is a divider. Christ came and He said, I am, I am not come to bring peace in the world. I'm come to bring division. Truth always divides. But in the church, 
God is the great unifier. He's not the, he's the divider in the world, but in the church, he is the unifier. And you notice Paul's driving this home in verse 14. It says, for he himself, Jesus Christ, back in verse 13, you once were afar off, he's saying, but you have been brought nigh by Jesus Christ, by the blood of Christ. And it says, and he, Jesus Christ, himself, none other, no addition to anything to Jesus Christ, he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. Now, he goes on and he illustrates how he is our peace. And we want to list quickly five ways that Christ is our peace. Verse 14, he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition. He has made two separate entities one We are all of the same family. Notice verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The Jews and the Gentiles had separate cultures. But he said, you're no longer separated by that. You are now members of the household of God. You're, you're, you're members of the same family. You too have been made one. And it's, he's illustrating it. You're, you're all of the same family. God is the one that brings peace. He also then says in verse 14, He has broken down the middle wall of, of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of, of commandments contained in the ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from two. So he has broken down the middle wall of separation. He has broken down the wall of contempt. The Jews held the Gentiles in contempt. We have the law. We are God's chosen people. You are not. And he broke down any contempt that they had one to another. He also then ended the enmity that was there between the law and mankind. And he ended the enmity that was between individuals, cultures, nations. And and he ended the angry resentment in verse 15. He brought an end to this enmity. So he says, he's saying, he's building his case. Listen, Christ came to bring peace. You're all of the same family. He has eliminated this disregard for the others, the contempt. He has ended the angry resentment. And that resentment may be they... they, Look down upon me. They think they're better than me. And I resent them because... He says, no, no. In Christ, at the cross, the wall has been broken down. 
And he says, to go on and illustrate it even further, in verse 16, that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross. You're no longer Jews and Gentiles. You're no longer these different cultures. You are now in the same body. You are brought into one body. See, our body runs into problems when our body starts fighting against itself. That's called cancer. That's called the disease. That our body starts fighting against itself. So, he is saying to them, you ought to live in peace because you are one body. If, if your left arm was continually fighting against your right arm, you wouldn't get much done. If everything your right arm picked up, the left arm knocked it out of your hand. That's, what, that's a picture of what it's like when we who are in the body of Christ fight against each other. It's, it's incongruous. It, it's, it doesn't work. And Paul is saying there should be no division. God is our peace. He has called us to peace, and he says, you are one body, and he he illustrates that. And we could spend a lot of time talking about the body working together, but we don't have the time. But then he goes on, and it's almost like he's a, a prosecuting attorney here, building his case. He said, listen, live at peace with each other. You're all of the same family. Christ came to do away with this contempt and resentment. You are all of the same body. And then in verse 20 he says that God is building together on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ as the cornerstone. He is building together the holy temple and you are part of that. You are the stones which God is using to build the holy temple. So he says, not only are you a body, he uses that analogy, he says you are a temple, you are stones. And there is something fascinating about watching a stonemason build a wall or a fireplace. They'll, they'll, they'll look, they'll have a pile of rocks, stones, and they'll look at one and look at the place. They'll pick this one up and I think that'll work and they'll start chipping away. Chipping away so that it fits in there exactly as they picture it. And then they'll pick up another one and they'll chip away. And sometimes they put it down and pick up another one and they put in there. And that's what God is doing with you and me. And he's putting us, he's building a temple together. And when we don't live at peace with one another... The walls come not to fruition like God designed. The temple doesn't work like God designed it to. So he he says, you are a temple. God's building a temple. You should be at peace with that stone next to you or that stone over you or that stone under you or that stone far across from you. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, but he's the one doing the work. 
You're all of the same body. You're all of the same family. And Christ came to do away with the contempt and resentment. If there's anything in which this text teaches us, it's that God has created something entirely new and unexpected in the birth of the church. Jews are no longer distinguished as Jews. Gentiles no longer as Gentiles. The Gentiles need to become Jewish. The Jewish people didn't need to become Gentiles. The church was the new entity built on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And everyone in Christ is a part of His body. We're not just to be reconciled to God. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But we are to be reconciled to each other. The greater the social and cultural differences between people, the more likely there is for conflict to increase. Because men and women are different, we're prone to conflict in our marriages. Teenagers think that their parents don't understand the younger generation. People from one nationality have difficulty understanding people from another nationality. The, the rich think the poor are lazy, and the lazy think the rich are greedy. And so it goes. There's all these walls built up, <clears throat> all these divisions built up. And the heart of all these conflicts comes back to sin And only at the cross and only in Christ is a solution to sin. And at the cross is the leveling ground for all people. And at the cross, in Jesus Christ, there is peace. Peace comes only when self dies. And the only place where self truly dies is at the cross. God is is committed to peace. And he said, my peace I will leave with you in John 14. I don't give you peace as the world gives. He said, I give you a peace that is eternal. So don't let your heart be troubled. He said, I'm, I'm speaking these things unto you that you may have peace. We looked when we studied Romans, Romans 14, 19. Pursue peace. Paul again, if, if you study Paul's writings, he begins, grace and peace be unto you over and over again. He's always talking about peace. In Colossians 3.15, he says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That means it's the umpire is the term that he uses there. And he says, peace says, nope, that thought's wrong. Get out of here. You're out. Or the peace says, safe. That's a good thought. That's a good action. Yeah, go with it. So, You're here today and you say, I don't even know a Jewish person, so how does this apply to me? God has called you to peace. And we're going to make the application of it. And it first of all begins, you must have peace with God. 
We are born into this world and we are born as sinners and we are at enmity with God. And God has called us to peace and the only way through to peace is through the cross of Calvary. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. And He alone can forgive sin. And until you come to peace with God... Through Jesus Christ, you will have no peace. You will have no lasting peace. Anything that comes in your life will be very temporary and fleeting. And you ultimately will be separated from God for all eternity in the lake of fire, hell. There's only one way that you can have peace with God. It's through acknowledging our sin and calling upon Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of sin. And that is first and foremost where we must have peace. We were created for a relationship with God. The two commands that he gives. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the first and greatest command. You can't do that. Unless the wall of separation is torn down. And that is only through Jesus Christ. And And if you're here today and you have never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, today is the day you need to allow Jesus Christ to tear down that wall of sin. And then we are made in fellowship with God. Then we are justified. There is no condemnation. The Spirit of God dwells within us. So, first of all, we must be brought to peace with God. Secondly, we must be brought to peace with self. In just a few verses ahead of where we began looking today, he said, We are God's workmanship, created in God unto good works. We are God's workmanship. And until you come to accept God's dealings in your life, you will never have peace. If you are, if you are of the, the mind that, I wish I'd been taller, or I wish I'd been um, born in this family, or I wish this was different, I wish this was different, I wish... God is the grand weaver. And you may say, I've made a lot of mistakes... God is able to take all the mistakes you've made and weave them into that which is for His glory. And Satan gets too many believers regretting, I wish this was different, I wish this was different, and they've never come to peace with what God is doing in their own life. And God is putting a message in your life that is completely different than anyone else's message. So quit comparing yourselves to others. And come to be at peace with what God is trying to do in your own life. It means submitting to God. Let God write the message. Contentment is not just a que Sarah, Sarah attitude, oh, whatever it will be. Contentment is resting in the work of God. It's submitting to the work of God. 
There are many Christians that have never come to peace with, with what is in their life and submitted it to God and said, God, use this for your glory. I am resting in you. There are many marriages and families that don't have peace because they haven't come back to the cross. Where does conflict come from? I don't care who you are. I don't care what personality tests you take. I don't care what pre-marriage things you take. I don't care if you think you married your soulmate or whatever. That you are going to have conflict. It's what you do with the conflict. If you try to solve it right here, husband, wife, you try to solve it right here, it's not going to solve. But if you meet at, at the cross, if you meet at God, Jesus Christ is our peace. We have, we have more materials about marriage, more materials about um, pre-marriage. We have more stuff about Christian marriage than any time ever in history. And our marriages are probably in as bad a shape as ever. Why? Because we're not going to God. I tell you, it's pretty hard to be upset with your wife when you're in the presence of God. Well, well, she didn't do it right. No, you'll start viewing her the way God views her. And vice versa. And, and in Christ is our peace. It doesn't just mean salvation. You want peace in your life? You better get near to God. Yeah, but I don't know if they are. You know what? You can have peace in your life irregardless what's in their life. Some of you think, my parents, they're so... You'll never have peace. You better, you better get to God. And some of you parents are thinking, my kids are really, I'd like to, really, you know. I think it was Mark Twain said, when they turn 18, you should lock them in a room. Shut the door, lock the door, leave enough room that you can slide pizza under the door every once in a while and turn them loose when they're 21. That's not a biblical response, needless to say. You know what? You might be having trouble with your kids. God's using it to try to draw you to the heart of God. People say, I just like to know what God's doing. Start with this. Run to God's heart. That's what He's trying to get you to do. Run to God. What's God trying to do in our world today? He's trying to get Christians to run to God. We're running everywhere else. In Christ is our peace. You turn on the news, you read the, the news on your phone, you do all these things and the peace is gone. Why? It's taking your eyes off Christ. 
in Christ is our peace. For He Himself is our peace. Man, it is. Wow, that's a truth. So anytime your heart is filled with the lack of peace, anxiety, it's a, it's a sign to us, I need to run to God. In our marriages, in our families, we'd have, we'd have much more peace in our families if, if we'd meet at the cross. If we'd seek the face of Jesus. So, we got the plow in. Let's keep digging, all right? <laughs> believers. There, there are some believers that are just weird, you know? And some of you are thinking of me. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <clears throat> I'll, I'll own it. But you know what? God has called us to peace with fellow believers. We're, we're members of the same family. And some of you are thinking, well, there's members in my family I don't like. That's a dysfunctional family. God has called us to be functional. And He has commanded us to love one another. And you say, I just can't do it. You're right. None of us can. But we need to run to the Lord. And in Him, He has equipped us to be able to live at peace. In fact, He said, the world should look at you as believers and say, wow, they started another church. They fought together and split. Yeah, that church started off the split of that church. Wow, they must really know how to fight. I like fighters. No, that isn't what God said. God said they would know you are Christians by the peace that you have, by the love that you have one for another. Does it mean we all agree on everything? No, it means we all agree on Jesus Christ. And you know what? You're another part of the member, and you might be the left thumb, and I might be the right pinky, but we're working together. And he's called us to this. And this is what, this is what Paul's writing to this church. And yeah, there were Jews and Gentiles. We don't have that here. We have young and old. We have this and that. We have a lot of differences. But he's called us to love one another. He's called us to peace. So, let me just quickly mention, he's also called us to love people. Not just believers, but to love people. And in loving them, it may cause, because you're committed to truth, in, in the general sense of people, it may cause division. Because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But it shouldn't be because of how we live that turned them away. I don't have time to go into that. But what I'm saying, there may, there may be individuals here today, there's a wall built up between you and God. You need to tear down that wall. If it's your sin, you call upon Jesus Christ to forgive your sin. Some of you may be bitter and angry at God for things He's allowed in your life. 
you need to tear down that wall. God's called us to peace. He's called us to be brought back together. Some of you, your marriage, you're not getting a divorce. That's commendable. But you're two individuals living in the same house, going your own way, doing your own thing, and you've built walls between each other. And it doesn't honor God. And you need to tear down that wall. You need, you need to take steps. This isn't what God wants. I need to meet at the cross. I, I, I need to do what's right. I need to go to God in Christ is my peace rather than building these walls. In some believers, you've just kind of, not noticeably, but you've just kind of pushed them out of your life. They're, they're not a part of anything that you do. You've built a wall. And I know, I know, we can all justify it. I didn't build the wall. They were this, this, and this, and they built the wall. And if they want the wall, fine, they can have the wall, and I'll go do my own thing. I know all those things because I deal with them. But we need to tear down the wall. We need to pursue peace. We need to go to Christ. It is He and He Himself that is our peace. <clears throat> there is no alienation so great, no hatred so strong that the cross of Calvary cannot reconcile men with men or men with God. The cross of Jesus Christ reconciles sinners to God and sinners to one another. The church should be the living testimony to the reconciliation which God has accomplished on the cross. And this is what Paul's driving at. And, and he goes in and says later in this, God wants there to be glory in the church and there's glory comes when there's peace. And we can't do it in and of ourselves, but we can through Christ. See, our lives are designed to be a demonstration of the reconciliation that we have, first of all, with God in Christ. And then the reconciliation that we have with one another as we die to self and let the Prince of Peace rule in our hearts and lives. I don't know. I don't know what walls you need to take steps of action to tear down. But God is not honored with walls between us and Him or walls between us and other believers. He's not honored through walls between husband and wives or parents and children or siblings. He's not honored through that. And when Paul said, for he, Christ himself, is our peace. Right there you have the answer. It's in him we have peace. Heavenly Father, I pray that the peace of you would rule in our hearts. And Lord, that your spirit, I know your spirit desires to, 
I pray that we would be sensitive to the promptings of your spirit as to what you want us to do as the next step. Lord, undoubtedly there are walls that need to be torn down. That your spirit is saying even now, tear down that wall. And Lord, you know our flesh is full of excuses and rationalizations. But I pray that we would know the power of you as we submit to you. And that we would be able to be raised up of living testimonies that Christ is our peace. Lord, may you be glorified As we obey the promptings of your Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads.